0: What's
1: up? da ba da ba da ba da ba
0: ba 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 Serial killers are cool now. That was a good mashup.
1: That actually worked really well. Did you really like well. that? Yeah, it just, it, it, it just came to me. Best, yeah. best theme we've ever done. Yeah. And that's saying not
2: a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, hey, guys. Welcome to We Bought a Mike. Yellow. Uh, sunflower ketchup. A vampire ketchup podcast. I'm Ernest Calderon.
0: I'm wine-drinking Hunter Mobley. And I'm white wine with ice spaghetti
1: with bolognese uh parmesan cheese with my stomach drew
0: whoa yeah handyman drew I see you just had to like one up me there like i yeah. tried to have a thing i had, just to, had to ruin it
1: so the thing is i could have been on time today i was late uh if i had just gone straight from the disposal to here but i was fucking stinky i was sweating my like ass garbage off disposal. and I, I needed i needed one of those calming showers cuz i'm not a handyman and i was working at this shit for like 45 minutes and I was sweaty, and I was just like, you know what? The pod is going to suffer if I come in on time. Um,
2: and you guys were like, okay, fuck off. Just whatever. <laughs> so any handymans out there listening, we feel your showers. Yep. We know why you got to take four showers a
0: day. God. Yours is stinky. You got, like, you got, yep. Your
2: hands are all like calloused. The, and- the garbage disposals are just seeping with ketchup. <laughs> There's just oozing ketchup.
0: Yeah, I mean, you should say that's why you were working on your disposal today was. <laughs> you want to know the something? Ketchup.
1: Something funny. Aaron Sorkin, uh, in most of his like workspaces, if he's working on a movie or TV show, he has a shower installed because he does his best thinking in the shower.
2: That's no not lie. real. Yeah, if what? he ever
1: has writer's block, he takes a long fucking shower, and that's when he's like, "Oh, I know. They should uh, talk really fast." And, and all he- <laughs> his all his writers have to stare
2: at his bare. Well, ass. and you know, like that's kind of that's a
0: similar thing to Martin Scorsese. He has his own cocaine room, yeah, like where he just comes in there, and there is like it's yep. in my contract. You have to have a mountain of cocaine for me at all times. Yeah, and Paul Schrader has his own uh, golden shower room same with tarantino
1: same with r kelly yeah there are just women hired to just sit there in the event that he gets writer's block
2: so today we are catching up on the new vampire weekend album and drew finally finished the before trilogy mm. the link later and um, i bit the bullet for the rest of you and i saw that the
0: netflix extremely Ted Bundy, wicked shockingly evil and vile. is yeah, it amazing super,
2: isn't it such a catchy name <laughs> yeah it's such wait a wait wait wait, wait like the... say it again say the name again
0: extremely wicked shockingly evil and vile that's the correct you didn't fuck that up that's the right name i'm assuming that's what it's written down my notes as so i hope that that's it but
2: extremely
1: wicked shockingly loud and incredibly close
2: but (laughs)
1: uh but before we get to that we're gonna do a little bit of a teaser freezer yes so this is for a movie that's been making waves online uh i don't know what this is not gonna say if they're positive or negative waves uh yeah hunter has never heard of this movie yet um so i just want to start it without even preempting it with anything this is a movie called loquisha um so we're already in territory that makes you kind of think <sighs> like... you're like i hope it's about a woman of color who named herself when
2: she and wrote I, the hope movie. That, I hope
0: that it's not just a bunch of white producers that are the people pulling the well strings well
2: us. I'm already having trouble finding the trailer. If you just search Loquisha trailer. Did they take on... it down? No, 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 it's up, but oh. most of the results are people reacting. Yeah. The the first result is is a video called Twitter has problems
0: with the Loquisha trailer. So, so it's hard to if you're at home trying to watch along with this, you might have difficulties. All right, so I think I found a link that works.
2: Uh I'm hoping this will actually show the trailer and not just people reacting to the trailer. I don't want to be a podcast where we react to people reacting to the trailer. <laughs> Maybe that's the next if step. Just... That's the next step in internet. So let's see here. Here we go. Is it trailer is loading? Is it two full minutes?
1: No, that's that's not Person. the whole thing though. you your is season? It? I'm really just talking to oh, no, myself. No we're gonna so, well, first of all,
0: well, you a,
1: official selection San Luis Epistico
0: uh, festival. Will be a hit
2: in no time. Is that a festival? the Joe show? I
1: so he's he's, he's trying to get a radio job. This show. lowly well, white man, and everyone loves him. He's a bartender. They're like, well, give well, us well, advice. Give us advice. There's right no. Are there any show? stars show? in this? No, Jason no,
0: no. This
2: is going to be that ND
1: head of the year So listen
2: 13, a semester.
1: He, he has to pay for That's his kids college zero, He's yeah, watching a show with black two women. black women Just yelling at each other And he's like oh I get it I know what to do He auditions As a black woman Oh Named Loquisha And then he has a black friend Who correct his whole purpose is to be like Dude this is not racist I'm black I
0: ain't talking to you, not the way you sound Oh, no. You go,
1: girl. You
2: oh, no. Good or, uh, good yourself. So, you people are be connecting good of, with him don't be too good with his racist <laughs> voice. Did you get and he's getting rich. Job. He's getting
1: did fucking paid from being low Because, as
0: you know, if you're a radio like host nowadays, you know get big bucks. Bit. Like.
1: Is a real role model for and you have a black woman who's saying, "Actually, this is okay," uh, telling the viewer, like the basically. Has a
0: mania. What festival
2: is this uh, was <laughs> this selected?
1: The San Luis Episcopo uh, Film Festival. <laughs> is the that, most? Is that a thing? Yeah, the most think, prestigious I don't think film think festival. that's a thing. That's that's like the festival Nathan Fielder made up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the East <laughs> Los, Los Angeles. Angeles International. Yeah. <laughs>
0: thanks for calling enjoy your jump oh no yep <laughs> listen to Lucretia. To coming soon this looks this looks fake so like, I, this looks like a that's trash not a trailer. real thing no that can't I like refuse to believe that that's a real thing so
1: this has been getting a lot of buzz positive. And negative. No, I'm kidding. It's all negative. No one likes this. How did this even get picked it, up? Who found this? It's. It feels like it was made by because there are you know production companies that are focused on you know Sean Hannity is producing movies for example that are very Christian focused, like anti-abortion yeah, or whatever. Like the God is not dead. I and would stuff imagine like that. it. It has to be one of these those
0: companies. Like. Because there are a lot of those. Okay, but instead of a company that's like saying God is not dead, it's like racism is gone. <laughs> well, it's just because the whole beginning of it is so ri- – when he's he's watching this TV show called Trash Talk
1: and it's two black women just yelling at each other. And he's like, man, they can get a fucking show and I can't. And so then he sees on the application a little snippet that says, women and minorities encouraged to apply. So that's kind of the message. It's for white men who are – pissed off that that's on job that applications they took my job yeah and so and but then there are, obviously he has this young black male friend who's just going like man it's okay <laughs> like this is totally okay i'm okay with this so so should the audience uh and then it has the black woman who's like hey
0: listen loquisha is an idol to plenty of young black girls at this point so So I'm just going to tell you guys now, if I do win the Summer Movie Wager, this is my selection. I'm going to make us watch this and review it in depth. (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. wait, wait. Okay,
2: so I'm looking at the IMBD. It looks like the star is the writer and the director of this film. This is like a Woody Allen. Jeremy Seville. This is like a Woody Allen movie, except more problematic. I was like,
0: (laughs) I didn't know Woody Allen movies could get worse at this point. He
2: has a few credits. He's been working since 1997. He's never been in anything of note. Uh, until was, now. <laughs> well don't
1: can't you see though his writing process was just being frustrated that people of color are getting more movie opportunities now? So he He's was like,
0: like get out ruined everything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so I you like you can feel the frustration in his writing. You know what I mean? Uh as far as him being the star of a movie, no he shouldn't be. He's not an attractive person. Like he
0: doesn't need to be in any movie. So you know what like almost scares me about a movie like this? What? Is because things in our society, are becoming it. Whenever it used to be like mass appeal was the thing. Yeah, mass appeal is like disappearing at this point. It's about knowing your audience. Netflix is like they're masters at this. They'll put out garbage, but it like appeals to one sect that just finds this amazing. Yeah, there's gonna be some people out there in the world that are going to watch this. Yeah, this and they're is, gonna be all in on this. This is
1: for people who thought Green Book was not racist enough. They thought. <laughs> Seriously. It's for
0: people who watch Tyler Perry and like I could do that. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, they watch
1: Tyler Perry, they're like, Oh, this is this is so stupid. I should make a movie that's equally as stupid, but it's about it's, a white guy. A white guy's yeah.
0: underneath the suit.
2: It's anyway, I just I thought that we needed to bring more people's attention Wait, to this. One one more thing. I'm I'm tr- I'm really I'm trying to scour the internet for
0: something. They just tell you that's fake. That yeah it was just made by like a this is real
2: wait first the wikipedia listing for movie releases of 2019 does not include this film (laughs) it's just not on there and if you go to the imbd of LaQuisha and you look at company credits the only production companies listed are october coast productions yeah the new a24 indie rights (laughs) and the right way and the best movie (laughs) <laughs> That's the name of the production company. The Dude, best I movie.
0: literally, I'm all in on that. Like, they have the best movie.
2: And guess how many productions the best movie has listed? What one? <laughs> it's
0: just this. This <laughs> is it. They're like, we nailed it. Our first time out, like first go at it, we just went for it.
2: uh Indie Wright's Film Productions. Their number one film on IMDb is a movie called Cannibal Holocaust.
0: 1980. Oh. No way. Okay. <laughs> That's big. So, like, what do you think the odds are? You know I'm a betting man. I think uh, I What think do you think is- the odds are that this is actually, like, the trailer was a bit... This whole movie is a satire. No, it's like they they came together. This trailer. This is a real fucking. <laughs> this is like. I a, can't believe
2: that this is real. This I is just like, have
0: to assume that this is satire. This is
2: like a Redbox original that got like <laughs> shuffled into the internet algorithm, and now just people wait. are talking.
0: What it, if they release the trailer and it, like actually is up everywhere, and at the very end, it's like coming soon to Netflix. <laughs> oh boy!
2: All right, it's
0: unbelievable. You want to well, know the tagline for the movie? What. Sometimes you need to become someone else to find
1: out who you really are.
2: Gross. And
1: sometimes that someone else is a black woman named Loquisha. <laughs> Jesus.
2: That you made up to this make is, money. Oh my if this God. movie ever comes out in theaters, don't see it. It's not gonna I
0: like I just we review like some like trailers that look like garbage. Think of like the Kevin Hart, Brian Canston, the upside that came out this year, but like Next my level. God, it's next this level. is that, just like that movie
2: looks a million times better. Than I next.
0: would, I would watch. I would literally sit in a room like strapped with my eyes taped open and watch that movie for the rest of my life. Yeah. Before anyway, watch that. Um, before we do
1: Vampire Weekend, I'd rather get the worst stuff out of the way quickly, which is just the one thing uh, I did watch. Finally, extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile. I did have to look down at my notes to make sure I got you got that it bad. right. <laughs> so catchy, so fucking catchy
2: on Netflix. Yes. starring Zac Efron and Lily Collins. Yes,
1: this is the Ted Bundy movie. This is the Daddy Ted Bundy movie that had so much hype. Can I before you start? Daddy
0: Efron, Daddy Bundy. I've heard this movie is horrible.
1: I'm not going to call it horrible, but it's not good. Okay. Um I'm just going to go ahead and spoil stuff uh because you know, I guess the way the movie unfolds is more of the spoiler because we all know Ted Bundy was a bad guy. Uh <laughs> So, a little bit about this movie. I was trying to dissect what, what went wrong here. Because there's such a good movie in the story. It's Ted fucking Bundy. It's an insane, unbelievable story. <coughs> so, serial killer. <coughs> so, this movie is written by a guy named Michael Worwe, who I mean, God bless the guy. He's actually a real Hollywood success story. Uh, he's like you know he's every every kid's dream he was a bartender in like West Hollywood for ten years, and he wrote this script in all his free time and it made the blacklist in twenty twelve which if you don't know, is like an online compilation of the the screenplays that aren't uh, haven't been picked up yet but are making the most noise. <coughs> I choked on some parmesan uh y'all thought I was joking about the parmesan I'm not joking uh. <laughs> So, it, good for him, because this movie is an adaptation of a book written by Elizabeth Kendall, who was with Ted Bundy, and Ted Bundy helped her raise her kid uh, before everything went down. And also during... So, so Elizabeth Kendall is who Lily Collins plays. Yes, and Lily Collins is playing Elizabeth Kendall. I'm not super familiar with Lily Collins. Didn't like her in the movie, if I'm being honest. Uh, Zach Efron is he the right choice here if you ask a certain sect of person they will shit on you for even suggesting because he's, does he look like ted bundy no ted bundy is way uglier he's than
0: not him. yeah that's the whole thing with ted bundy is like i feel like he's been like put in this position where he was like he was the hot serial killer like that's how he got well, his way and like he's like he's kind of he looks like a normie well like
1: he, the thing is most serial killers are grotesque And he did have a way – he did have a charisma to him, and he wasn't a bad-looking guy. Well, that's the whole story of Ted Bundy. Yeah. Is that he was a hunk. (laughs) Yeah, so he would manipulate women. He would, like, wear a fake cast and be like, hey, can you help me put this in my car? And then he would put them in his car. (laughs) And – so he did have a charisma. And this was the angle that the news took so many years ago because he was in the news for a long, long time because he was constantly escaping prison. He had the first uh, nationally televised trial in history um, and it was a big deal. He made it into a big pageant. Um, what, what is the 70s, 80s? 70s into the 80s. Uh, so this is directed by a guy named Joe Berlinger. Who is mostly a documentarian? He has a lot of like true crime TV experience. Well,
2: one one thing we should mention is this is a Netflix movie. Yeah, and Netflix put out a uh, true crime doc of Ted Bundy. Yeah, Ted Bundy. And tapes. this
1: and this guy helped with it. Yeah, he
2: directed some of it or something. And like this that. is not the first time uh, Netflix has done something like this. Yeah. They like to They're put like... out the nonfiction version and the the dramatized version too.
0: It's just, like, this is one of those things, because for the most part, I've heard that, like, the <sighs> documentary series that they release, like, it is a bit indulgent. But overall, like, it does a solid job of laying down, like, kind of the whole timeline of Ted Bundy. Yeah. But it's, like, why, why did we need to see a dramatization of it then? Like, if we just they, got a good version of it three months okay, ago?
1: here's the fatal flaw of the movie, because... This is adapted, like I said, from Elizabeth Kendall's real novel about her experiences with Ted and how he deceived her and how he deceived everyone. So a screenplay written that's like th- like Ted Bundy through the eyes of his closest girlfriend, that's a really interesting idea. Mm. Like, That's why the it, the screenplay made so much noise when it was written by nobody. That's cool. Uh, but then we have the fact that most of the movie is spent with just Ted Bundy, Zac Efron. Like, we're going back and forth between him and Lily Collins, but for most of the movie, they're separated from one another.
2: So the, the movie doesn't have a point of view?
1: Okay, so that's so if we're looking at screen time, it should be through Ted Bundy's eyes. Because the fact that it's through the eyes of Elizabeth Kendall means we're having almost nothing revealed about Ted Bundy. Even though we're watching him almost the whole fucking time, we're not learning a goddamn thing about him. Like, there are maybe three or four moments where it's, like, revealed for just a second that he's a bad guy. For the rest of the movie, it's, like, this courtroom drama where he is, like, acting, like, dead sure like he's innocent. And that plays into the fact that it's written through Elizabeth's eyes because it's supposed to be saying, like, here's why I believe Ted because he was so convincing. Mm -hmm. But it has this unintentional effect on the audience that they want us to wonder if he did it. Cause he's spending what? the whole fucking movie like not acting like he didn't do it. <coughs> is that what the book is does? Well no. Does her book make no, you wonder? It, no, that's just a memoir, but the book is obviously more about Elizabeth Kendall. The problem with the movie is you can't have a Ted Bundy movie without a lot of Ted Bundy in it. Because it Ted Bundy is the more interesting character. I'm very sorry, yeah, Elizabeth. It's he's a serial killer. And then the third flaw is this director, Joe Berlinger, because he is a true crime documentarian, his interest seems to be in America's perspective on the whole thing. So, we're getting a lot of really cool, like actual news footage or whatever, things like that interspersed. But then there's all these courtroom scenes that I can't imagine were in Elizabeth's book. It's because that's his perspective on it is like, how did America watch this trial? Right, they watched right. it on TV, they watched the courtroom shit. So, he's so focused on the courtroom stuff. Uh, the novel so focused on Lily Collins's character and then the movie itself is literally focused on Zac Efron's face. So I was being pulled in so many directions that I ended up going nowhere. Does that make <laughs> sense? Like it's not like a train wreck, it's not poorly directed, it's not poorly acted. It's just it has a fatal flaw in its very conception. Aimless. Well, and yeah. so
0: another one of the main concerns that like I've heard about it is that we're in a culture now where like we like victimize isn't necessarily the right term but we like almost like look up to uh serial killers in a really fucked up way in society now where it's like this whole thing it's just like man they're just such tortured souls i just want to like get in the mind of a serial killer like that i mean it's the sad truth but that's kind of the world that we live in with this whole true crime serial well like world that we're in that people are like so obsessed with the mind of serial killer and that's why people like were interested in this whenever it came out into music fest or into um movie festivals and everything and started getting onto the scene well here's the thing about that
1: is that's why this screenplay was the most tasteful version of a ted bundy movie because it's a very sympathetic portrait of Mm -hmm. her of elizabeth the woman most affected by ted bundy save for all the dead ones (laughs) um the problem is there's almost no violence whatsoever and it feels like... It's Which a- is
0: not what you expect from the title of Extremely Yeah, and I don't
1: need anything gratuitous, but there are almost no moments where you even see his dark side, period. So it feels like a lifetime drama about an innocent man. And it's, it's, like I said, it's not tasteless. Like, there was a lot of room for a very tasteless movie, like you're talking about, where it's just really glorifying everything he did. That's not this movie. This movie just felt like a, a good lifetime movie to me. It's like a courtroom drama mixed with like a domestic drama.
2: Like, it it that's what most Lifetime movies are. <laughs> I I think, uh, I do agree with the Lifetime thing, but I think it's more the ID channel. Yeah, listeners, okay. if you don't yeah. know, the ID channel is uh, investigative discovery. Mm-hmm. I yeah, think. Yeah. and it's like it's basically murder porn.
1: Yeah, it is. And it, but this wasn't murder porn as the thing. It was it, like the drama of him in the courtroom was very like him just being very committed to like I didn't do this. Like please, like and it. You learn a lot by watching it, but I was more compelled when like a year ago, I did a deep dive on Ted Bunny's Wikipedia page and I just read through everything he did and to to watch the movie and think that's what you focused on when really he's going out and he's murdering all these people and there's this psychosis to him that you could try to dive into. You don't have to be sympathetic to get in someone's head. Like we could see what's going on in his mind without liking it. Right. And they don't even try. There's a moment where they're shopping for a dog at a shelter. Him and uh, Lily Collins, and I, I turned to uh, my girlfriend and I was like, "Oh, look, he's gonna look at a dog in the eyes, and the dog's gonna hate him," <laughs> and that that happens. Yeah. And it's just like that is so weak. That is such a weak d- depiction of the sick. One of the sickest men who's ever lived, and that's how you choose to show it through a dog barking at him. Do you buy that's awful? Do you buy Efron as a no? psychopath no. so i i know he's not good in this movie uh and part of it is for most of the movie he's kind of sidelined he's mostly just acting like an innocent man uh which is not very interesting because we all fucking know he's guilty that's what killed this movie for me but he's really not that great in the moments where he's supposed to be truly horrifying he's mostly not um he does some good acting. There are some standout scenes from him. He's good. He's he's, he's a good actor. Yeah. 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 Uh, Have I, I you don't... guys ever seen High School Musical? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been meaning to check it out. Yeah. I've heard it's uh, a criteria. So, check it out. So why do you guys say he's good, though? What <laughs> What movie are you... So, no, I'm being serious. What
0: movie are you talking about? So, well, my old thing is that I do kind of... The beach I, bomb. I don't necessarily... Okay, so that's what, <laughs> that was going to be my example because I'm not necessarily... I love Zac Efron as a supporting character he's good at neighbors he's like i think that he genuinely he's a great guy that just shows up in there like in the beach boom like in neighbors and something like that even if it's not necessarily a good movie that he's in i've heard that he's like extremely charming in um the baywatch movie just because yeah. like he has Wicked, like that
2: shockingly kind of, evil but like I don't vile.
0: I don't know about him as a leading man. I just I do think that he does have a natural charisma to him, which I think well, is yeah. why it sounds like good casting to put him as Ted Bundy because apparently Ted Bundy while he wasn't the hottest dude, Zach Efron is much better looking here's, than Ted Bundy. Okay, so here's but he does thing. have a natural charisma to him.
1: Yeah, but so does every actor on earth that's not a uh quote-unquote character actor because that's the baseline of being a successful actor is like looking good and having charisma i see paul giamatti and i'm like
0: that dude just like wins me over <laughs> well
1: so the thing is he i don't think zach is ready for a character with layers like he i've seen him and i've liked him in things but i don't think he's ready for a character that
0: has complexity to it um and that's fair. honestly that's that's honestly that's a fair yeah, statement to say like whatever i like him and stuff he's doing like a bit or he's yeah a yeah like guy you know so it's like, fun to see him it's fun know. to see
1: him be funny it's fun to see him in a in a dumb role and he he never is bad in those but mm-hmm. this was a big boy role and i don't think he was ready
2: yeah well did they touch on how so you said that that part of the book is how um she raises his kid right no, how he raises her kid. Oh, so it's not his kid.
1: No, they, like, he seduces her, they they, they kind of live together, and there's a good while where he is, like, on trial, he's under arrest, and she's still on his side because he is so convincing. Uh, And that's really interesting. The first act of the movie, it's like, wow, like, he really had her sold. But then it just doesn't go anywhere from there. At least she slowly realizes, because he keeps breaking out of jail while maintaining his innocence. He's breaking out, and he's getting arrested again, and then he's going back to jail. And... So eventually she slowly is like, all right, he's not the one. And then she develops a romance with, are you guys ready? Haley Joel Osmond.
2: No way. (laughs) It's in this?
0: She, sora from kingdom hearts yeah playing, this is what he's doing and, well he's playing this
1: you know the soft uh the soft-hearted co-worker yeah. who who tries to part of gold kind of like it, it it had big vibes of gone girl when she goes to live with yeah. neil patrick harris and she just can't stop watching the news and he's like hey maybe we just turn the news off maybe we just hang <laughs> out um except you know she's not a psycho like yeah <laughs> spoilers for gone girl but uh it's just boring. It's a boring movie about a serial killer, mm-hmm. and it's not bad. It could have been so much worse. It could have had worse performances. It could have been directed more poorly, but it just was so milk toast, mediocre, middle of the road, five out of ten. And this is Ted fucking Bundy. At least go for it with it. Yeah. Like at least try to do something really compelling. This was not a compelling movie. I'm sorry.
0: That's. I mean. Honestly, Stop that, the clock. So that's honestly made me want to watch it. Like what you just said made me want to watch it less than some people saying that it's like terribly god awful. Because now I'm like more interested in like how did they really fuck this up? But if it's just that middle of the road, it's like then it's just completely uninteresting and uncaptivating. Yeah, it, that's which the thing that's because there is a cool good. story there about, about uh, Elizabeth Kendall
1: like trying to maintain. But the other problem with the movie is it, it takes – place over the course of like 10 years so we're just getting snippets from year after year there's really it should have been like from when he first gets arrested and then gets released on bond and he's just trying to convince her and trying to live with her that's what the movie should have been it should not have had this broad uh,
2: scope that those are rarely better movies than movies that yeah. take place over a short period of time well speaking of serial killers let's talk about what steve martin
0: whoa what
2: let's talk about steve martin starring in the Father of the Bride. Let's talk about...
0: <laughs> Man, that was, a,
2: that was a transition right there. <laughs> let's talk about how Steve Martin in The Father of the Bride... Did-
0: Drew, I don't think Ernst Is because we, 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 we posted on the page that we were talking about the father of the bride. And I think he just Googled father of the bride. Mm-hmm. I think that Ernest just watched the movie father of the bride. Oh, sorry to see Martin. Sweetie. Oh, oh, oh sweetie. That's it's an album. That's so, so that's so cute. Uh, <laughs> it came out
2: in 1991. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It stars stars
0: Steve Martin. Let's just keep this bit going. Let's see how far this
2: goes. It also stars Diane Keaton, Kim Williams, George Newbern, Martin Short, Mm -hmm. uh, B.D. Wong, and Kieran Culkin of Succession fame. Oh, wow. It's a remake of the 1950 film of the same name. See, I thought that we were talking about the original. I don't watch remakes. Oh, okay. Hey, Kieran Culkin. Yeah.
1: Speaking of uh, entertainers who had a really great... Young stretch in their career Then took some time off Then came back better than ever uh, Vampire Weekend Put out a, a new album recently Whoa! It's actually You're gonna laugh It's actually called Father of the Bride Isn't that funny What a <laughs> crazy, crazy coincidence I know, Man. I know. Anyway, Oh wow. my god <laughs> anyway. And
2: it's And Steve Martin Is n- n- There's no involvement
0: Does he I think, Does Steve Martin Do backing vocals A little he might banjo, do backing little banjo? He, was, he might do
2: backing vocals Yeah <laughs> <laughs> he was on the mixing board <laughs> He was on the he, ones he and twos He played piano Did but- he replace Rostam when Rostin left? <laughs> Steve Martin was playing banjo in the booth, but there was no microphone. Oh, yeah. No one okay. was recording. No he's <laughs> just
1: one of those guys who just won in the room. You know, he's just <laughs> so he's so funny. He's cracking you up. He's like, hey, maybe a G chord. They're like, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. sure, okay. sure. Every
0: G chord on the album was Steve's idea. <laughs> and also, like, he, Steve doesn't know what a G chord is, so they're just yeah. like, oh, this is like an F sharp major, and they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. it's a G. It's yeah, fine. it's fine. It doesn't yeah, matter. Don't worry about it.
1: Um, anyway vampire weekend i
0: would imagine that we might all be on the same page with this album it's Uh, fucking great hey yeah here's the hot take that's coming colder and colder by the day this is the best vampire weekend album i might have to agree with you i was on the fence for a while because their debut to me is like
2: up there that's that's what i was gonna say is i've been listening to their whole discography um and their self-titled debut is fucking incredible.
1: Yeah. That, like, I mean, that was like a, my it's favorite. It's a perfect album. Like
2: Contra was my personal favorite, but now after hearing Father of the Bride, it's almost like that self titled is like a thesis statement for everything the band did yeah. afterwards. Every, exactly. Everything in Contra, Modern Vampires, and Father of the Bride is in that first album. Yeah. Every uh, lyrical nuance, every sonic. Uh, Direction,
1: (laughs) but you're right. It's all in there to some extent. So they they have this run of these three albums that are very different from one another, and all, in my opinion, very good. Like they haven't put out an album that's under an eight for me. Uh, They all have their
2: own different approach.
1: Exactly. They all they all have reinvention. uh, They all have commercial hits, but they all maintain indie credibility. It's a crazy balance they've been on. Uh, And then in 2013, uh, Ezra takes a break. He steps away this is there's a great episode of uh ezra went on an on uh are you talking rem rem and recently with with scott ackerman and adam scott yeah post album release um and i i got a lot of knowledge about ezra's headspace from that podcast because he he goes really in depth with this was it was an intentional stepping away from music because it's been six years this was a big gap um and he mentions that whole breed of indie that was so hot in like like 2009 to 2012, most of it died in 2013. Yep. Um. So when that album came out, he, er, and like he was reading, he was reading news that was just like, "There, it's all dead."
0: He was like, "You know what? I'm just gonna step away. I'm gonna grow up." And Take I mean, time off. He was taking time off from making his own music, but it's not like he hasn't been working. He worked on Lemonade. He worked on like Beyonce's Lemonade. Him and Rostam have both been doing stuff for like major pop and hip-hop artists. But even
2: that, even the, the Lemonade sample, he didn't make that for Beyonce. Like, she picked that that track up after he had already made it. He made that, and he would have put it on a Vampire Weekend album, but maybe, there maybe. wasn't a Vampire Weekend album in the uh-huh. works. Yeah,
0: well, I mean, he did some stuff for Lemonade, and then Rostam, uh, like, the song Ivy off of Frank Ocean's Blonde, like, he recorded the guitar for that. Yeah. Like, this is... Well, yeah, so Rostam,
1: who was uh from a lot of people's words the co-creative force behind the band Mm -hmm. with ezra
2: left the band very recently before before we get into the album i just want to do a quick snapshot of 2013 which is when modern vampires of the city came out vampire weekend's last album we got yeezus kanye random access memories daft punk awesome reflector arcade fire wow like clockwork queens of the stone age acid rap chance the rapper (laughs) Days are Gone, Haim, which we'll talk about. Was that because of the heim? internet that year? Haim? 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 Haim. I think it's
1: Haim. It's Haim. Haim? Haim. Haim. It's Haim. Haim. Where's the um? There, there is,
0: it's not two syllables. It's just one syllable. But no, it's not Haim. It's Haim. Haim. Haim Haim. Mobley, Mobley, it's the same shit. Sunbather, uh, Deaf Heaven. Nothing was the same. Drake. I'm just honored that you put Deaf Heaven in that list. Uh,
2: Overgrown, James Blake, Doris, Earl Sweatshirt, 2020 Experience, Justin Timberlake. So, oh, Settle, Disclosure. Like, I could keep going here. There are some albums that have stood the test of time uh, and some artists that we've seen put out stuff since then. I mean, AM, Arctic Monkeys, another 2013 album. So we've heard from a lot of these artists since then in some form or another with, albums that have either hit or missed but we just hadn't heard from vampire weekend so this was a yeah. long time coming.
0: well and that's kind of leads to the point so you know like last week or i guess week before last we were talking about cage the elephant oh and another one, one Run the jewels the, the first run the, the jewels our first rtj um but like we were talking about cage the elephant that was like it almost felt like they hit like that three year mark and like the studio came to them or like hey it's time you need to put something else out and so you're just getting something that's that's Not necessarily terrible, but it's just, like, forced. It's just like, well, it's been enough time. Just got to put some new music out there. Where time after time, it just shows, like, the best music, like, is something that you wait for. Think about Frank Ocean. Think about Childish Gambino. Think about all these artists that take long periods of time. Sure, like, we didn't like Arctic Monkeys' last album. I know I was lower on it than anybody else, but for the most part, it's worth the wait with albums especially like yeah. more than movies or tv or anything else it works more for artists to take their time with music than any but other but i don't platform. think we felt
2: the weight you know, because think about Frank, like every year was arduous waiting. Well, because there was a always a
1: promise that was broken. Yeah. Vampire Weekend never promised shit. They didn't shit, do anything.
2: Right? Yeah. I mean,
1: um, well, because
0: indie rock isn't a thing anymore. That's not well, a genre. That's,
1: that's what he talked about a lot on this podcast, which he, he was saying that guitar driven music just completely left the uh, public lexicon of music. Like it was still out there. There's still plenty of indie music. But it left popularity; it really did. There was the era of Phoenix, Vampire Weekend, uh, Two Door Cinema Club. It all died in 2013. Uh, so he puts out this album, Modern Vampires, which is not a guitar-driven album by any means. There's a lot orchestral. of... orchestral. Yeah, exactly. And then he's like, you know what? I'm I'm stepping away. He steps away. He helps other people with their music. Uh, but he said he needed time to like re like change his oil, almost of like creative juices. He was he couldn't. He was like, I can't go into another album with the same. Mindset
2: that i had gone into all these. I think because Modern Vampires just felt like the peak of where they were heading. Mm-hmm. It's It felt like uh, self-titled Contra and Modern Vampires were this perfect trilogy of this uh, journey of where, you know, these little college kids just playing on uh, New York City campus of Columbia University growing up and becoming more adventurous with their sound and like really finding the best version of that sound with yeah. modern vampires
0: and i mean yeah and like well i i love modern vampires but and even though self-title and contra have a like they definitely sound different from each other modern vampires is the first time where there's like we are going to reinvent ourselves and like you said it's not guitar driven at all it's very orchestral it's very like like this choral backing to so many of their songs like I think especially of Step think about like Danny Brown did like a cover of Step yeah. like that's like just a thing because it's something that anybody could kind of take like hip hop pop anything like that and put their own um, twist on that cover and, always
2: takes me by surprise yeah because <laughs> it starts out the exact same as the original <laughs> back
0: back back back. I used to front like the y'all
1: so Modern Vampires is actually my least
2: favorite album of theirs. I, which is, yeah, I got to say the same. Even though oh, it's really? a great album. I love Modern Vampires. I know. I, well, it's most, still, most I people, know.
1: it's it's way up there for them. But to me, that album lost all uh, lightheartedness, which is half of why I love Vampire Weekend. And it was just like, no, we're very serious now. And this music is – it's no longer like rich, like Cape Cod college kids. This is like aristocratic 18th century rich people. So <laughs> and
0: but that's why, why I didn't
1: like it. As, it's still great music, but I did not – uh, connect
0: so one of the reasons why I love that I mean I'm gonna say like I really love all four of these albums I think that my ordering would be Father of the Bride uh, self-titled Modern Vampires and then Contra I would actually put Contra at the bottom I feel bad about that just because I also really like Contra but I feel like Modern Vampires needed to exist for us to get the album that we have now like Vampire so Weekend had this they had this like very lighthearted, whimsy to their music. And then Marn Vampires is an album that has a little bit more of a weight to it. They have these slower ballad types of songs that I really enjoy. And Father of the Bride feels like the perfect fusion of those things. What I did realize, because I've also been going back through their discography, there's a lot of heavy lyrics on Father of the Bride, but they've always kind of been like whether you realize it or not as a listener for what you go to them for they're a very lyrically dependent band they've always kind of used metaphors and allegory and uh, kind Ezra of stories knows with his, his stories vocab. like he yeah, yeah he's he. very he's a poetic guy yeah. <laughs> and uh another thing leading into
1: this album was he he said that when they formed the band him and Rostam what they really didn't like was that the type of dude who like his whole life is like guitar center and he's like really just into shredding and doing all this complicated shit they were like that doesn't sound good we don't need to be that good at guitar um for this album he got a lot better personally at guitar because this album is is guitar driven again while having tons of other shit going on of course and then whenever he needed help he brought in our boy Steve Lacy. yeah (laughs) so but this is a guitar heavy album this is the most uh hearkening back to classic rock uh, folk almost, like Roots, Americana Country. music. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> It harkens to all those different sounds while still being so forward-thinking. And that was literally his thesis for the album. He wanted to make something that harkened back to like 70s, 80s classic rock while still being in the future. And I think he knocked it out of the absolute park.
2: I'm, so- glad, I'm glad that we took an extra week to let the album sink in a little bit more because this is a meaty album. It's an hour-long, 18-tracks, yeah. And if we would have gone into it after just a couple of days, I wouldn't have been as high on it because Contra is my personal favorite just because of how experimental it is because uh, they they took the uh, kind of bare bones. I wouldn't – I don't know if bare bones is the right word for that self-titled album, but it's a lot simpler. It's a lot minimalistic compared to yeah. everything else they've done, uh, it, even though it incorporates all of this – uh, all of these sounds from Africa and South America and the Caribbean which are present in Father of the Bride
0: which mm-hmm, is crazy that's, because well, that's what's it's, just, so amazing it's like a about full them. circle. No, they literally they build off of their prior album with each album which is what's so impressive and why I love this band so much. Since we're actually getting into the album like now I'm wow. glad that we took that time to like kind of set up our thoughts because I feel like that's really how Vampire Weekend is that you can tell that Ezra is such a person who's very conscious of every of all of his decisions I don't think he views Vampire Weekend just as a band in the same way that like some of the best bands out there do like I think that he is very very conscious and he's kind of a genius at music yeah and I mean there's so many songs in this album that like whenever I first listened to it I never thought that it was too long or anything like that but originally, like, listening to it, I was like, there's definitely some fat on this album. There's some weaker songs, but I'm glad that it's there. Now, after listening to it for, like, 10, 12 times, some of my least favorite songs are now, like, my favorite songs. Like, it has my favorite aspects. In, like, a world where more and more, like, it's we're getting, like, eight-song, 30-minute albums I like that we just have an hour long of eighteen tracks. Yeah. I like that there's quote unquote filler that can eventually become one of your favorite songs. Yeah,
1: they, I I feel exactly the same way. Where it, because there are a lot of slower songs or a lot of shorter ones that don't sound fully developed compared to other songs, but I wouldn't want to not hear them. Yeah, like they, I need to hear they, them. it's and you can tell uh, he
0: cares about the flow of an album. Yeah,
1: and honestly, you know, we live in the age of playlists, and I going back to high school, I've mostly picked what I liked from an album and deleted the rest. Standout tracks. Because for a lot of music, even artists I really like, there are sometimes only three songs on an album that are really outstanding. And this is an album that I will not listen to any other way except for front to back because it has this cohesion. It's well uh paced. It's really even handed. Whenever things get too slow, they speed it up. Or
2: even if you if you don't start it at the beginning, if you start it in the middle, it's great to just not put it on shuffle. And and listen to it in There's order. A you don't flow have to, don't have to start at the beginning, it. but if you start at, you know, towards the end, you just want to listen to those songs yeah. in order because of the the cohesion of the yeah, the thought that's put into that order. Um, so that being said, I wanna go track by track. Okay. Yeah. And I don't want to take up too much time because we have other things to get to, but there are things to marvel at in every single one yeah. of these songs. Well, it's kinda like when we were talking about I think
1: you should leave with Tim Robinson, and I was saying even the sketches that I know they're not Perfect sketches. There's never some
0: nothing. Yeah, there's, there's always, always something. That I actually thought about whenever oh, you really? talked about. It, I think you should leave us yeah. because even whenever it's not something that's my favorite, I'm glad that it. Yeah, exists. there's always
1: an element in there that takes you by surprise because I mean, we're gonna talk about all the different elements in here if we
2: start at the beginning. So go ahead. So the
1: first is the one with Danielle Haim. Hold,
2: hold you now. Uh, it's a beautiful light opener with daniel haim very hot
0: um, haim haim it's daniel haim we're gonna have like we're gonna hear hear that name
2: (laughs) half Half of this album is like a collab album
1: this is the the three linchpins of the whole album are three songs in the beginning middle and end of it that feature haim and they're they're more heartfelt uh duets yep uh and this is the most traditional song on the album, I think. I love well,
0: the It's I, traditional, but it's still like the rhythm to it is like it did catch me seriously by surprise because it's like there's these weird pauses and stuff. And then the actual course of the song is a Hans Zimmer score from uh Thin Red Line. Yeah, he does Zimmer sample. It's like he a, has a Zimmer credit. sample that's from Yeah, it's from Thin Red wow. Line that like is all this like Latin choir singing? A Terrence Malick film. So I was going to talk about that. <laughs> that uh, Terrence Malick was a big influence. On I was going to talk about that choir because it sounds reversed. I love the distorted sound mm-hmm. it has. Mm-hmm. It sound. I don't know if it's actually. It reversed. It sounds but live. It sounds like you're hearing it like from across an opera hall. Yeah, like that's the effect that. Yeah, it has. exactly.
2: So we have like
1: such what could be just such a straightforward traditional song but there's always something in there that is very future forward but my
2: main point with this song is that it sets the mood and the tone and the setting of the entire album it's a perfect opener and what i get from what this setting is let me hear if you guys agree it's a beachside island wedding oh
0: that's I like that. where this yeah, album that's... is
2: set and every track sort of harkens back to that. And we'll get to it because some of these tracks don't exactly line up with that. Some of them are flash forwards, some of them are uh, some deviations from this setting, but overall this album is a beachside island wedding.
0: So, uh slight side note to that. I just wanted to say Vampire Weekend knows how to fucking open up an album. Like every album that they've had have opened up with great songs. Honestly, Obvious Bicycle is my favorite song off of Modern Vampires. How that song starts with like, listen up. I'm just like, I'm ready to go. I'm so like in just, and I mean, A-Punk obviously was their first song. Which is, that is that the opener? That's, the, f- that's the first song oh, of wow. their self title. Yeah. And like, also and the, the way the they named song. it,
1: it's the opener on any iTunes library. Exactly. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, it's, if you it's, it's a by genius thing. So yeah. But yeah, that's a killer song, and then that leads into Harmony Hall, which
2: is to me a perfect song. Here's I the thing: I love this song. So it's I wasn't, incredible.
1: I wasn't last week. I wasn't even huge on it, and I can't take it out of the the album. I have to hear it now. I love it. It's it fits in so perfectly with because the context of what's around it added to the song for me.
0: So I mean, this is one of those things I was talking about about being lyric very lyrically forward. I mean, of course, this the chorus of this song samples back to a modern vampire song with I don't want to live like this, but I don't want to die. And there's a lot of like, you can like while this song has this very like lighthearted whimsy to it, there's a lot of genuine sadness and like anguish to these lyrics where it's like, it's almost feels like this is coming from a very depressed point of view, mm-hmm. but it's like coming from this viewpoint of like, I have these feelings inside of me but that's not the right way to like I can't just sit here and wallow in my pain. Yeah. Like I think about I don't want to skip too far ahead, but uh my mistake. And the way that song ends it, like a little monologue is just like I think I took myself too seriously. It's not <laughs> that serious. I like think um, about that whenever I listen to a lot of the lyrics of this album. So I'm gonna I'm gonna add to your your
1: uh, encapsulation of setting. Yeah, your your aesthetic for the album. It's someone looking at a photo album of their beachside wedding and then as they flip through the pages eventually they also get
2: to the birth of their child. whoa well because it see, has this the nostalgia nostal- yeah. the nostalgia of it I think is more prevalent in other tracks that we'll get to yeah exactly uh, because a lot of tracks feel like we're actually at this beach. Like we're actually on this island. I'm not and going
1: to move on until you agree with me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then also you flip another pages and you get to like the divorce paper. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The, that's the flashback. Yeah. And he's like, and Oh, why did I put about? this in this song? <laughs> <album>. um, <laughs> but a,
2: a couple of, another point about this. Like I said, this is a perfect song to me. It's incredible. It's it has intricate instrumentation with that arpeggiated acoustic guitar. Yeah. There's a rattle in there. You guys pick that out. It's like yep. a. Burr- And uh, the building piano, the bouncy drum beat, uh, it's a catchy hook with amazing lyrics that uh, Hunter touched on. And also, uh, this is like the opening credits to the album. It's like, hold you now is the cold open, and then boom, we get these big opening credits that still set up the tone, that still set up that theme of sadness.
1: So, yeah, it may sound... It may be sound superfluous to like put all these images on top of the album, but actually, another thing Ezra said on this pod was for every album that he's made, he has a huge pick folder on his desktop where he makes a literal mood board of the aesthetic and feel that he wants for the album, but all in images. Well,
0: that's, I mean, that goes to the point where they're like one of the few bands left that cares about track lists. Yeah. Exactly. Like they care about the order very, of the Yeah, very intentional. I'm going to guess there's and that's, a lot of
2: ocean waves.
0: So, I mean, <laughs> in every album. Yeah. So, I. To move on to the next song, Bambina. This is a song that I kind of like... It feels very classic Vampire Weekend. It does. It's very, very classic... And I didn't, This is one of the songs that I didn't really like. it care for as much whenever it started, but now like I don't. It's one of the songs I don't want to skip now because I really like the juxtaposition of the like jumpiness, danceiness to the verse to this like really like quiet, almost somber chorus that we mm-hmm. have here. What's a it's a short with, it's a short little it's, tune. yeah. It's not. It's nice, and I mean just for like. Just talking about, like, my Christian heart cannot withstand the thundering arena, and I'll see you when the violence ends for now. Chow chow Bambina, meaning, like, bye-bye, baby, I love it translates to. I
2: love the autotune hi- harmonizer yeah. effects okay, so that's, on the backing vocals. Yeah, we might as well do this now, because this is— There's a lot of that on this.
1: Vampire Weekend's original ethos was basically taking what Paul Simon did with his album Graceland, where mm-hmm. he took yep. he took African rhythms and bongos, and he, and he and interfused them with pop and rock and, like, folk and American music so they took that and they exploded it how many guitar forward albums can you think of that have choirs slide guitars violins bongos synthesizers autotune vocoders which is different from autotune and afrobeat rhythms but also folk music yeah. But also classic
0: rock. Yeah, I've never it, listened to something that remind Listen to an album that, like, reminds me of Johnny Cash and also reminds me of 808s and Heartbreaks. So yeah, like, exactly. That's, that's like, what it's, this album it's is. It's the only the only other
1: band that combines all those... Most of those that I can think of is Dirty Projectors, but they're solidly a modern indie Aren't band. Aren't they a super yeah. group? Uh, I don't know, but they don't have the, the the throwback element. And the thing that ties everything together, the thing that makes this so cohesive when it shouldn't be, is that Ezra is a top five songwriter alive in my opinion where his hooks are amazing every melody is so perfectly placed that it had the feeling that i get like i said with no names album when i was listening to it and i was like how have i not heard these songs a million times before (laughs) this melody is so it should have someone should have come up with this by now because it's so good and it's so simple how has no one thought of this before he he that's his gift he is so fucking good
2: at Finding little pockets that no one has entered. And I, I want to really shout out the guitar here. And we're going to talk a lot about guitar on this, on this track. But like you said, the, the sort of slide guitar, it kind of sounds like it's being played through a tube. And yeah. the riff itself is very surf rock, which, again, harkens back to that, that beach yeah. side uh, island wedding theme. Yeah, that but, I'm but it's a photo there. album too, Ernest, and I'm not going <laughs> to fucking say it again.
0: All right, this, this life. This life. This is... this is the flash forward to me. So yeah, for me, this is like, it really, as some,
1: he's playing, nope, it. I didn't mean, to, I
0: didn't mean to hit, that wasn't even the right song. I didn't mean to hit that. Um, So this song, like really, I Ezra has actually come out before now afterwards and said like, you know, I don't really know if this song belongs on the album. I think that it does. I mean, maybe it's a little bit too dour for him and maybe it's a little bit too much of an insight on him and Rashida's relationship. I'm not sure on that. But for me, why this song works is and it why it works in the context of the album is that it's it's darkness hidden under it's like it's. It's repression at its finest, at its core. Like, that you're listening to it, it's just, like, this whole, like, poppy, guitar, beachy sound. It's all so fun and light that you just want to sit out there with, like, a fucking hula and dance the night away. But then he's like, you've been cheating on me, I've been cheating on you. Like, it's... It's perfect juxtaposition. It's so... I've never, like, heard anything like that where it's, like, that stark of a contrast, but it's still... Poppy, even though you're like singing along to the words, like, wait, this feels wrong. The like... words
2: are, yeah, it's the woes of the possible woes of married life, yeah, is what they are. Yeah,
1: and this isn't one of my favorite songs on the album. Uh, and I think it's because it, it's maybe musically the most simple in terms mm. of like almost nothing future forward is being done, even though it's still, you know, when I talk about a simple melody, I don't mean it's actually simple because any melody that sounds perfect has a lot of education behind it a lot of columbia university behind it uh but I, you know it's not that i could go without the song though i the, still like it the guitar lick is so catchy <laughs> yeah that's this is the most
2: shenanigans song and of the, the hour, <laughs> which is me and <laughs> which is our old band the, from it, high school the instrumentation uh comes across as a sunny
0: vacation cocktail <laughs>
2: And I love the the really
0: cool. Is this the sex on the beach of the of the album?
2: <laughs> and the I love the really cool delayed echo effect on the background vocals at the end.
0: Oh yeah, the uh, it sounds like it's like put through like some kind of a phaser reverb like yeah. pedal. Um,
2: so
1: now we get into big the, blue. No this this is getting into the stretch of the album that I would call like flawless. Basically, this to all me, the way to almost the end is I could not. These are all all timers. Yeah. Like, <laughs> to
2: me, this song "Big Blue" is when we're out at sea in the open water, and and then we get you underwater. Are in Big blue, yeah. We get underwater too. It captures the duality of the open ocean, um, because it offers peace and uncertainty. Yeah. Think about that. When you're looking out into the vastness of the ocean, you feel this peace, but you also feel yeah great Yeah,
0: well i mean i the, and that, i feel like that's kind of the whole like sums up the whole tone of album. like literally the last couple lines of the course are so am i learning my lesson or am i back on my own like i'm yeah. just like do i have protection on my side or am i just like alone and i'm like because, reflecting back because myself. you can apply that to a relationship yeah exactly i mean i feel like that's kind of why we've been when we listen to this album we're like is Ezra doing okay? <laughs> like, is he is he doing all right? He's just but he's I feel very like it's, wistful. But I feel like that's... The almost The man can tell a fucking story. But I feel like it music. comes down to, like... I mean, if you are a person who's depressed, it doesn't matter if you're in a happy situation, you're still going to have these thoughts. And, like, I mean, yeah, this exactly. is... Yeah, like, And I feel like that's almost, like, the mindset that he's coming from, is, like, he's kind of in this personal struggle of, like... Am I can, How long can I stay under the sun Without things going yeah. bad And that's it's an amazing song uh, This is, and I will say This is part of the thing Whenever the singles came out before this album They released these two part songs Didn't
2: really make much of an Didn't impression.
0: make an impact on me no. But there was many of these singles on this album That like, just listening to them by themselves Don't really make an impact And then you listen yeah. to them in the context of the album They really exactly. do Exactly, and then continuing this God tier stretch that How long? About, I Might be my favorite One of my is, top
1: two Or three favorite this songs This is a
0: fucking banger
1: This is one of my top Five Vampire Weekend songs Of all time Oh it's so it's, good It's this is one of the ones where the first time I listened to it, I thought, is this a cover? Because <laughs> I was like, how someone has to have come up with this shit or else I'm just like the dumbest person alive for not being a songwriter. Because <laughs> so it's so good. It's so simple,
2: but so good. Is genius. Yep. The piano chords. And it brings back that sort of underwater like effect that we heard on that Beyonce track that Ezra made. Yeah. And it, there's a lot of that on this album. But in this song in particular, it kind of comes up into the foreground. And it, I just love the piano that we hear I mean, this. the whole production of it's, it is perfect. But the it really is. is I mean, there's
0: a lot of that that they have on this album where it's like, it's almost too simple to the point where it makes you upset when you hear it. Because yeah. like, why isn't this like, dun dun, exactly. dun, 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 Yeah. Like, how has that not been made before? It's just catchy. Yeah, like, it's, it gets yeah. stuck in your it's head the immediately. the same feeling I used to get when I would watch
1: older John Mulaney stuff. When he would talk I, about television, I was like, oh my God, no one's talked about TV and we <laughs> all watch it. Like, it's so simple. And this is the feeling you get. I, I love this song
0: so it's, much. Wait. Like, this
2: song is so good. I want to talk about the boings in this boing? song. <laughs> there are so many, and they multiply towards the end of the track, <laughs> and they fill out each measure. You just hear a boing. It's genius. Well, and the
1: the production of this, because um, Ezra is notoriously very meticulous with his production. So catchy. Um
2: and the hooks on this. Oh my god.
1: Well, yeah, and that's that's why he's able to combine every different instrument and genre in the world without it sounding like a mess because this is still such an understated simple song. All these songs your first impression of them might not be what we're talking about. You might not hear why we're so enthusiastic until you give it a few. And then you wake up in a cold sweat going,
2: how long, how long? Cause
1: but, that's me. I, I've been singing it so much that my girlfriend is like, do you want to just put the
0: song on or are you just going to keep fucking singing it? <laughs> oh, like, I, I have that with many songs. Yeah, myself. Um, but, um, so another thing, so I was talking about lyrically about how Ezra, like has always kind of been this mindset, whether or not it's, really been something that we picked up on a lot of the stuff in this uh um like on this song particularly because i've been like kind of looking into this it talks about like the ghost of christmas past and all this kind of stuff that's actually a reference to their song holiday like off of contra mm-hmm. like because they wrote that song to be like almost their version of a christmas carol like they oh, uh... wrote that to be like just like We're on holiday. Like this is the fun. I I would say the same thing about "Parchada" too. Yeah, like, but like they wrote these songs like almost to be their thing, and now it's just like, I mean, I like my favorite line in the um, on this song is uh, a sharpie face on tangerines. (laughs) Why does it feel like Halloween since Christmas 2017? It's just like like making a jack o' lantern out of like a tangerine, this symbol of like summer and like fun. Fall. like fall summer fall area but now it's like being used in like this christmas yeah. it like this it, like this kind of this inability to move on from this prior time that you're stuck in it feels like how long is like you're in something that feels so great but you're like waiting like how long until we sink and this all goes to shit or we move on to the next or we move on like how long is this really going to last which is why I was getting back to before about like is come it almost feels like Ezra does have like some kind of a depression or something into him that you're experiencing something great and awesome and you're like how long until I'm down and i'm in a low again
2: but the the song just comes off as this really major key positive sounding joyous thing it's and that juxtaposition is all over this album it's too good the the other thing i wanted to mention before we move on to the next track is the you it's amazing use of electric guitar feedback just
0: you hear that feedback right come before in the second chorus comes in is oh it just perfect. makes me there yeah so there aroused. are a lot of
1: crazy little things in this song that Ugh. are just like whoa what was that noise in the middle of this like normal like it's I mean that you could say that about most of these yeah. leading into unbearably white which is
2: it's got a unique artsy vibe
1: Um, unbearably well so this is an album where i could really hear it's strange i could really hear that ezra had worked on his guitar playing in this song because Mm. it is it sounds so groovy and simple but you you sit down and you try to figure it out and you're like oh this is tricky the riff the guitar riff is slippery it's It's, a slippery and it's it was just it's very 70s it's a very Mm. classic rock riff but then as we are saying with all these there's so much thrown on top that is so future uh heavy that the the combination is beautiful
2: i love it at the beginning uh within the first minute or so where it builds and builds up to the shock strings that just kind of scare you yeah the orc hit hit on Mm -hmm. my keyboard (laughs)
1: um but yeah and then that leads into fucking rich man which is this is a song that lyrically hit me in a place of no one's ever done like because the lyrics are so perfect like the The song itself
2: is almost like Spongebob-style uh, uke or guitar. I think it's uke. Well, I, I kind of – I do see that comparison, but I wrote down that it gives me a Beatles vibe. It reminds me of something from Yellow Submarine or Sgt. Yeah, Pepper's. I mean, that's the
0: same sound. Well, yeah. I mean, that's kind of goes – the main vibe the that I got from this album in general is almost like something off of White Album. It's kind of the closest comp that I personally felt when – listening to this album especially whenever we reach into the later tracks and kind of the juxtaposition of these sounds but rich man i just love how genius it is like the building of the lyrics like starting like one in ten to one hundred to yeah, thousand exactly. to a million to a billion like the way that he builds it over the course of each verse is like it's creative and it's also like between this and the next track it is like it truly is like sending out like a warning like he's saying like one in 10 or one in 10 rich men are actually like happy with themselves, but like claiming like, I'm the one like, we're okay. Like I'm good here. Which yeah, you almost wonder like how much of it is necessarily true and how much is it? Like he's pretending like I can still be the one that I'm, I'm happy. Like, don't, don't, don't worry about me. Like I'm good here. And you wonder what um, else is happening underneath. Yeah, If you read any lyric on this whole album
1: on paper, it's unbelievably poured over, like yeah. it's poetry. It's not. There's no song where it's like, all right, he really fucked off on. Well, that he's
2: one. always been able to do that yeah. on all of the Vampire Weekend albums, but on this one in particular, there is just so much intricacy to it that it's unreal, and yeah. that leads us into the next track, Mar- "Married in a
0: Gold Rush," mm-hmm. which we get. I more will high say. I originally did not like this song. I was like, this song feels so weird to me. But after listening to it, you know what this song reminds me of? It reminds me of Johnny Cash and June Carter.
2: Well, this, this it is low-key like... one of the best tracks on the whole album. Like, it doesn't jump out to you at first, but the more you listen to it, at least in my experience, it's like, oh my God, is this like top five songs on this album? Like,
0: I didn't even expect well, that. because, cause... like, it literally it feels like a country song. Like, the way that this duet that they have together is the only other thing that I can compare it to is Johnny Cash and June Carter where it's like they have this chemistry with their lyrics where like, like, think about the chorus where they're just like, where's your baby? Oh, well, you should've yeah. known by now. That's very like it's just, country. It's very like this twang of going back and forth with Which each other. Which is such that,
2: a different sound for Vampire Weekend.
0: Yeah, like, I've never heard anything like this in like rock music Like, and that's why it, and it works that's so why, well. It almost like, I don't want to say it turned me off at first, but at first I was like, uh,
1: well, it okay, kind of did to me. None of whatever, none like... of the songs with Daniel Heim are my absolute favorites. Maybe for that reason, because uh, the music of them gets increasingly out there. But the lyrics and the, the structuring of the melody is very uh, rooted in country. Um, but... I still love them. They're still great, like insanely well-constructed. Well,
0: songs. I mean, and this, it almost acts like this is like a little trilogy in itself between rich man married in a gold rush and my mistake where it's like this whole kind of tale of wealth and like what acquiring wealth means and the consequences of it, which eventually might lead to your downfall. Yeah. yeah. Like, and that's, I feel like this is kind of a beautiful trilogy that just happens to take place in the middle of this album. So now my mistake
2: is, Again, captures that melancholy, nostalgic vibe, and this is what could be the the couple a couple years later remembering. uh, It's the the, looking at the photo album. This is the flash forward. This is the photo album. This This is is the the couple looking back on their wedding, remembering their youth years and years down the road. Uh, I love it. It it almost has like an uh,
0: like a Super Eight homemade film feel. You know,
2: you can, yeah. you can kind of feel the film grain well, on that. No, there mistake.
0: is a true grain to it. I mean, I think about like the first time after we get through the, fir- the first version of the chorus, and then like it almost seems like it's going to like fade out, and it's like, and then like the lyrics come like bolstering back in, like with that that verse before and the, we the hit it. The orchestration it again. on this one it's...
2: is so epic. Like you had strings, brass, yeah. woodwinds, and piano all filling out the landscape very big uh orchestral album. Oh. and
1: to all the more orchestral more put together songs on the album the reason I like them better than modern vampires is because they're they're usually uh Surrounded by more lighthearted songs, and even in the middle of these songs, the lyrics of them can get very fun, and then go back to dead. But this series.
2: one in particular just really lands that melancholy oh, sadness,
1: yeah. and yeah. then and then we get into a like a more abrasive, a more minor key song, but it still has a lot of fun in its construction, which is sympathy. No,
0: and I was gonna say I love the way that this song transitions into sympathy is like beautiful. Where it's it perfect. ends on such a somber note, and then you hear as they're talking, He's just like I think I took myself too seriously. It's not that serious. It's and so then good. you have like as hardcore of a song as Vampire Weekend has ever made it's like the closest thing to metal that Vampire it's Weekend Another ever banger. If thing.
1: if it came out in like 1967 it would be the invention of metal but now yeah. we listen and we're like this isn't metal Also, at all. but it's like but heavier than what they do it's
2: the perfect moment in the album to have the, the up tempo it's much mm-hmm. needed to have an, uh, just an up tempo song with driving drums claps and a thriving bass line um, I love the erratic effects heavy keyboard and background vocals on this one and it's a killer song this one feels like the peak of the wedding after party this is when everyone is wasted and just drunk off their ass dancing as hard as they can sympathy. <laughs> I They're eat. dancing madly. They're drunk.
0: Yeah, man. I, I mean, I love this. is one of my favorite songs in the album. Like immediately, as soon as I listened to it, it like caught me by because if you've listened to Vampire Recon before, this is like very abrasive. Like you are not ready for something that. You yeah, because it has like, the constant strumming of the acoustic, almost the used acoustic. as a percussion. Yeah, chica 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 chica, like. it really does. It acts like another drum. Yeah, which is
1: you know that's that's been done by plenty of other people. But then combine that with like those haunting chorals of like.
0: Yeah. Oh. And then, like, really whenever, like, the chorus actually hits and, like, everything cuts out except for just Ezra, like, singing. On the singing, acoustic, yeah. That's oh, me, let's You actually go. don't.
1: After we do this You don't need to listen To the album Because we're doing All the instruments I mean well, we're basically let's, let's just it. keep moving Right
0: along we So got our, this And then back into one, Another punch. amazing transition Right here From this like Very abrasiveness To just like Steve Lacey Coming through Oof. With one of the Greatest riffs Of all time Of all time I, I mean I'll say Sunflower. it is. It's an all time It's riff. one of the best riffs I've ever heard this in my life This is
2: a
1: per- another Perfect track Yeah like, this is in my Top five all time <laughs> Vampire Weekend songs
0: Lacey's This might be my favorite Vampire Weekend song <laughs> ever Like it, yeah. honestly It might be Like it's um, just that good it's yeah. such a
2: simple riff that just goes up and down the scale but it's it's on another level like the guitar work on this is just fucking godlike yeah
1: and i may have said when we originally covered this but if you like this song you got to check out steve lacy's solo work it's not in this vein at all it's it's a lot more funky uh, and a lot kind of more groovy hip well, yeah, if, more you, if you've
0: listened to the internet then like but, you have a vibe yeah
1: but he is a he's a virtuoso of the guitar
2: and the vocal work that builds on the guitar riff yeah it's like scat it's like almost scatting like it's infectious and the bass work is supportive it's it's amazing and then when the whole song just kind of slows down tempo at the end kind of in the halftime oh uh, yeah Perfect. and this, i mean this song is also it's kind of
1: an homage to the song china cat sunflower by grateful dead they were heavily mm-hmm. ezra was heavily influenced by grateful dead in uh his his production here he was talking about on that pod this uh apparently where he was growing up there was a type of kid like the cool kids in the northeast in the 90s they were all wore north faces and they were preps but they
0: all listened to the grateful dead and i was like <laughs> that's weird. that's weird yeah <laughs> um very uh quick side note um I recommend that all listeners, if you like this album or if not, um, listen to the BBC uh, version, the cover that Vampire Weekend did of Sunflower by Post Malone and Sway Lee, which is much more popular than this song will ever be as a song called Sunflower. But the way that they use the riff of this song into that song, it's like so seamless. And the riff from Harmony Hall, too. Yeah. That, like, they use these, like, Steve Lacey riffs during a cover, and it's yeah. it's amazing. Um, and so, then our,
1: our other song with Steve
2: Lacey is Flower Moon, oh which is... Oh, my God. It's another banger. This mm-hmm. song is fucking incredible. Every time I hear this song, no matter what I'm doing, I just have to get up and dance. <laughs> I just have to move my ass. Like, I can't help it. Yeah, it the the acapella harmonizer effect intro. Well, yeah. and this is a song with an amazing, amazing build
1: to it. Yeah, where it
2: starts. Well, once the beat actually kicks in, yeah. it's like it just takes over. Yeah, and
1: then by the end of it, the production there's so many elements added over the course of the song. It's a beautiful song. The guitar is obviously great, but there are a lot of other uh, instruments being played that are all I
0: just. Can we landed? just like draft Steve Lacey and just be a permanent <laughs> member of Vampire Weekend because uh, yeah. like. The way, I mean, especially with Sunflower and with this and with some other tracks on this album, but like their tonal differences, how they're both great singers, but they're like so different keys from each other that they can perfectly harmonize and do yeah. these kinds of things. It really comes out, I think, the best on this song where we have Steve Lacey starting this kind of chorus and then. Like, Ezra coming in there, and the two of them, like, they're doing this thing together, plus Ezra's, like, high-pitched harmony, harmonizing that he's doing with both yeah. of them. And then closing on just Steve Lacey singing by himself, it's so beautiful. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it, like, you feel it in your soul, and the way that they go from this intro, which starts... Again, like, it really reminded me of, like, 808s and Heartbreaks is, like, the vibe that I was getting. Or, like, Lost lost in the World, like, mm-hmm. the last song of My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, where it's, like, this very, um like, well, this the, acapella, the but this, yeah, very effect. much using that harmonizer thing that Kanye kind of made huge in hip-hop. Like, they're mm-hmm. doing exactly that thing, but in an well, indie rock song. Yeah, and then speaking
1: of 808s, our next song is 2021, which, if you want to talk, uh... Uh, very slow paced only synths essentially it's a
2: cool weird little song Um,
1: well this was the most confusing one to release as a single this is the worst song they could have chosen (laughs) i mean you can say the same about big blue these are the two slowest paced songs with the least percussion and pacing on the album uh, so they need other songs to be as good as they are. That's not to say that they're bad, because they're great songs. But as singles, you're like, is this whole I'm going to be these songs with no percussion? Yeah,
0: well, because the way that they released these duality of singles, it made it sound like half of the album was going to be like poppy, and the other half was going to be super slow yeah. and kind of boring. It was yeah, it was not now, a good representation. But once again, caring about track tracklist, I never skip this song whenever I listen to it. Never. Like it's it's such a beautiful, it's a beautiful, great, it's a beautiful yeah. song and just like how you needed a song like sympathy to come in whenever it did like you needed kind of a come down like you needed more of just like not necessarily a ballad but just like a chill give me a 2 minute 20 second song to just kind of like unwind a little bit and yeah. then
2: we get uh, another heim collab with we belong together
0: i will say i think that this is my least favorite track right now um, again, I mean, that's kind of shifted around just with listening to this album. I do really like the song. Again, like, it does give you kind of country song vibes to it. It's, it's still a beautiful song. Ezra and Daniel Haim, their, uh, their voices together is really beautiful. Like, they work together, their sounds. Um, I really enjoy that. And then Heim with Stranger. I love Stranger. Uh, I love the
2: steel drums. Yeah, on this I, one. Oh my God, and more rattle. We get more rattle on this one. More rattle. I remember life as a stranger. I. Ah, 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 ah. I oh, it's some I, good hooks on this one. I
0: really, I really like this song a lot. Again, this is a song that won't really necessarily reach out to you on like first lesson. but then like the other day, I'm just like sitting around, I'm just like. Ah, ah, ah
2: and yeah. this change one, change. yeah it just it's an earworm uh and it, it just has a, a, this kind of driving beat to it that uh love it next we got spring snow uh more cool auto hymen harmonizer effects on this one with the background vocals and more great piano work just consistently throughout this album yeah. we have uh these overarching effects and uh at this point you know the sort of beachside wedding thing has kind of gone uh in and out and out and about and up and down (laughs) but it all comes back in this final track jerusalem new york Berlin, berlin with haim once again and this track is so beautiful and quiet and subdued that it just it's it's a perfect finality and it's a perfect a uh, song to just kind of bring the whole wedding to this grand, quiet close. Well, I
0: mean, this is also, like, Jerusalem, New York, and Berlin. Like, you could say, like, at least in world history in the last thousand years are probably some, like, the three most important cities in the world, especially when you consider that Ezra Cohen is a Jewish person. I'm Yeah, like, and Like, they're both, like, Jewish people. These are, like, the three biggest cities in the world. Like, Jerusalem, like, the home of where Judaism, like, really actually got started. start. New York, where millions of immigrants moved over, and then Berlin, of course, like, the home of the whole Nazi movement and the Holocaust and everything else. Like, you can tell that this is a very intimate and dark song, but it doesn't play in, like, a dark, somber way like some of the other songs do. Like, this is kind of a beautiful ballad. Like, it almost feels like it's... It's like a dedication. It almost feels like a, a calling card to everything that's ever come before them. How they are constantly able to use these classic rock elements in their music. It's almost like a call like a thank you, like a bowing. Yeah. It's a it's it feels like this is them call. taking their curtain call, their yeah. their are Much
2: like the ending credits of Avengers Infinity War. Okay. Yeah, they're sorry, end game. Game. end game. Endgame, endgame, endgame. Uh, the other thing I wanted to shout out about this is they did a, a televised performance on this on Fallon. I really, really recommend of this song. Uh, yes. Oh wow, yes, that's awesome. And they extend it and they do this whole jam at the end. It's really fucking good. Really that's recommend. Cool. It.
1: Um, so this album as a whole, I I want to say one more time. If you you may with with how much we're speaking and what sounds like hyperbole, you may put it on and feel underwhelmed because there are a lot of understated tracks on the album, and a lot of what you're getting is. It takes uh, a little bit of concentration to hear these elements working together. Um, but you have to do it. You have no choice, and I'm making you do it. You have to listen to this fucking album. I'm gonna what
0: I'm gonna just guess that if somebody just hasn't listened to this at all, that now that we've spent uh, 45 minutes talking about this album, that they probably are yeah. either like super into it and just paused us to check this thing <laughs> out, or they just well, gave up on is this,
2: it. Is this you guys' favorite album of the year? Yes. Yes. E- uh, easily. Yes. It's not yeah. even close. I and I <laughs> really actually did. like
1: a lot of other albums that came out this year, but this is this is the only album that I would say, verges on a 10 for me. Yeah. Uh, because that's really rare in general. There are only one or two a year that
0: I would put in that level. Mm-hmm. This is one of them. This Like, I don't know how I could make what's, a better album. Well, honestly, what's kind of sad about this and what almost makes me regret later on, I, I think that we're just going to close on this talk since this went for so long yeah. talking about this. Um, Sorry, but like, you before heads out
2: there. <laughs> yeah, we'll say that.
0: Don't worry, that's coming. Um, but, like, one thing about this album that almost like it makes me nervous. This was on all of our like most anticipated albums of the year. And now it makes me nervous for like Tame Impala and Chance the Rapper and Gambino that like Vampire Weekend came out first of all of our anticipated albums. And they made a fucking I think it might be a masterpiece. I think Father of the Bride really might grow down as a masterpiece. Even though it's not that far away from the other three albums, it's still there is a
2: similar pantheon there that it lives in.
0: But I almost feel like you could not like this is a good jumping off point for Vampire Weekend. Like I don't think that this is something where it's like you have to it's like, like really chapter. learn. Yeah, because I feel like they took so much time off. It's not one of those things. Modern Vampires I feel like is a weird starting place for getting into Vampire Weekend. I wouldn't recommend recommend somebody's first album be Modern Vampires, even though I really um, like that. Album and it has lot. some
2: amazing songs. In I wouldn't, it but I wouldn't recommend that's the jumping off point. Of album.
0: I think that this is kind of the perfect jumping off point for them because you could just jump right in. And it gives you everything you want. It has like this weird poppiness to it. But also like I mean, the first like holding out even I don't know, you guys may hate to admit it, but Sunflower has like the guitar and the progression of that song like that's very, very prog rock the and like the, of the arpeggiation it. of it all. And like how it's not a classical, like snap your finger along exactly as the beats going to it like that's i was getting such vibes. a weird vibe i was getting vibes all. of a
1: band like dire straits that has a virtu- dire straits too. they yeah, have yeah. a virtuoso on guitar but they're not really trying to play progressive shit they just have a progressive artist in and i was band. getting some coheed
2: vibes nope. to be honest but didn't get that <laughs> one thing i wanted to mention is a lot of the music that i listen to or that i've been into recently is not something that i can just kind of put on to any mainstream listener I I can't play Billie Eilish in front of my parents and expect them to like it you know I, I there's a lot of music that I'm really into that I, think I appreciate you could. just
0: put on like a uh, bad guy and just be like oh by the way she's 17 <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you, know, you might it, seduce your dad type you, you know
2: it, <laughs> you know what I'm saying like there's a lot of music that we're really into that we just can't share with the everyday listener and this album Father Father of the Bride I put it on in front of Anyone, no Mm. matter if they're old, young, anything, they're going to like it. They're going to like at least a couple tracks in here and they're going to jive with it. They're going to dig it. It's a great album. I
0: can't believe how much I've listened to this um, album in the week that it's been released. Like I literally, I just went on a road trip. I've listened to this album four times in the last two days. Like <laughs> yeah. not exaggerating. Like I've literally it been get old. I've been listening to this album nonstop because I started to put on something else. Even something like I love Lizzo, and I put on Lizzo's album. By the time and like it got to the last couple tracks, and I'm like, I'm like almost itching for Weekend. it to be done so I can well, start Father of the <laughs> Bride again. Which sounds. I don't mean that even in a negative way, but it's like I can't stop it's it's so good
1: it, it's almost like what i said about push a t's album last year where i never ever have gotten tired of that album because to me it's every song sounds like an instant classic yeah song. no and that's, it just sounds yeah. like done it's perfect i wanted to, i want to close up on the thing I, I brought this up with you guys last week i think uh vampire weekend culturally is in an interesting place because they are kind of a meme in a lot of ways. Uh their coverage I've seen on Twitter from people is very memeish, even though everyone likes the album.
2: And what you well, were I, talking I'll... about earlier about their world sounds, the the Caribbean sounds, the African sounds yeah, well, the South American just, sounds. Just
1: generally they've always had the persona of being like highly educated, buttoned up white people on you know, in the Northeast
0: uh take... to be honest uh, the first time i listened to unbearably white uh before i even listened to the track i was like this is a song about them yeah exactly <laughs> they're um, so well yeah because white. that's that's what
1: their persona has been and i al- almost wonder especially after this um i think that they're underrated which is crazy to say because they're you know if you ask most people they are in the top 10 like modern indie bands but are they the number fucking one indie because in terms of so consist- in sort of th- batting average yeah exactly yes. they never don't connect here's yeah here was my case is name any other indie band who has put out four four or more albums they all have commercial success they all have indie credibility they never sold out and went full pop they're all above an eight in my opinion uh and they all have an amount of reinvention while still staying cohesive to the band's discography I can't name another. I can't
0: Well, I mean, that's one of those things that like I almost like hate that they had I'm gonna call it like a Strokesism because you know, like as much as the Strokes are like massively influential and they've done so much, the Strokes just kinda became a meme because the Strokes a lot of people say like ruined garage rock as it's (laughs) known. And a lot of people view Vampire Weekend especially like their first album, which is a great album. A lot of people view that as like kind of the death of indie rock as we knew it, because then it became about like the way because they're all musical geniuses they verged they made indie rock popular which kind of killed indie rock, like as we knew it at the time, whether we realized it or not. Like while yeah. it was taking well, place, well, and they they also just kind of ushered in a lot of imitators. Uh, yeah, and but like I mean, so the Strokes—that's the whole thing. That's why I almost compare them to the Strokes, where I honestly I think that Vampire Weekend has been drastically more consistent than the Strokes in their discography so far. The only we'll see what the only band here, but...
2: I can match in terms of batting average is Tame Impala, but they only have three. They only albums. have three. So f- we'll see the fourth will see what happens one. in their fourth. One.
0: The first
1: album didn't have the commercial chart toppers right, yeah. either. It was well, very Their first album rock. is
0: really good. It's really good classic psychedelic rock. They Vampire Weekend, every one of their albums has had a top 40 song. Yeah. Like in my personal
1: taste, I would put Tame above Vampire Weekend just by a, a hair. Uh, and maybe after this album, not even. But as far as moments or albums go, there are albums that I would put by Arcade Fire or Tame – uh, that I would put on the exact same tier as I would put the best Vampire Weekend albums. Like I could not pick a favorite yeah. out of LG, like, L-
2: NGMT, uh, L- <laughs> M- L- LCD sound L- system. Yeah, Mario. between
1: yeah between this like Funeral uh, or, or like yeah like you said Oracular for me, Lonerism is up there. And then by Arcade Fire, the other what's what's the why am I forgetting the one with Modern Man and Rococo and Sub- uh, the um, suburbs, suburbs. Sub- Reflector the suburbs um i would put the suburbs up there with all these which i think it's very underrated i would give that album a 10 out of 10 as well but what i'm saying is i think vampire weekend is somehow underrated even though we all know them i think a lot of people still have a vision in their head of kind of a silly band
0: well i mean because and they kind of embrace that on this album in a way that i like that they're still they aren't getting like they aren't just having ballads track after track they still have this lightheartedness to them yeah. But they, like, advance that sound in such a way that nobody grow else can. grow it and evolve it in yeah. ambitious ways. I don't want to just listen to fucking ballads all day. Like, I want to have something that I can put on just for fun and, like, dance along to. Like, yeah. I feel like the beach, the looking at a photo portfolio post- divorce of a beachside wedding. Whatever <laughs> it is that you guys, your comp that you're making for this. I almost feel like that is kind of perfect for this because it's so lighthearted. but there is like, kind of it's this a, there's a, a little master. bit of darkness under you're the surface. The <laughs> you know that you're not getting the full it's picture, microfiche. but that's okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, let us know what you thought. Yeah, overall I give it like a six. <laughs> six and a half.
0: I'm feeling like a four and a half out of a hundred.
2: Let us know Father of the Bride the 2000 the 1997 film starring Steve Martin. <laughs> we all love it. Let us know what you thought of Father of the Bride Part 2. Yeah, cheaper by the dozen. Yes. <coughs> uh yeah. So are we Yeah, let's just close it up there. Yes. Uh we bought a mic, Twitter, Letterbox, Instagram. Well, we bought a mic, not on, on Letterbox, but we are. We <laughs> are individual. I am at Drew D on Letterbox. I posted
1: a review for extremely loud and incredibly vile Ted Bundy man <laughs> <Close>. uh, <laughs> and uh, it's basically what I just said so you don't need to <laughs> you don't need to read it but you should anyway you know some people like words more than sounds uh, I'm on Spotify Drew Dietzen I'm on Twitter Drew
0: D-I-E-T-Z-E-N that's it um, I'm also on Twitter and Letterbox at Hunt Mobley get ready this is coming to breaking news to you guys too right now I'm gonna have a new letterbox list of reviews that I'm gonna make for movies that I watch exclusively on the Criterion channel. Which you can get the Criterion channel right now for nine ninety nine a month by using code WABAM. Ignore check-in.
2: the four oh four error. Back out.
0: Back out. Redownload the app. Use it again. Don't put in a promo code this time and <laughs> then watch it.
2: I've been meaning to get
0: into the Criterion channel. I've been paying for it because I want to support it, <laughs> just, but I just haven't had time. I've watched a couple of things on there. Um, most, I've only watched movies that I've already seen before. So I. and Drive? But I actually, I have the actual crate disc for that. I don't, I don't believe in digital media.
2: Oh, shit. And I'm at Calvinist Twitter, Instagram Letterbox. Let me know what you thought of this episode and everything that we talked about on mm. WeBoughtAMic at gmail.com. You
1: know, I forgot my my biggest comp I was going to make for what? this album. Mid-2000s Sufjan Stevens. What? Really? really? Yes, dude. The fucking... The surf... No, not even I surf. Guess. He he had this whole thing of like these grand orchestra songs right. that still managed to sound lighthearted somehow, and that's the half of the songs on this album. Have does that. he get poppy though? Um, he doesn't get poppy. No, though. but he does have some great hooks. If Is you it a video? Um,
2: Is it a video?
1: Yeah, he sounded nothing like that like 15, 10 years ago. He sounded drastically different. Anyway. It's been a long, time. You can just cut that out and put that in the middle of what we were talking about. What if I actually think that you edit whenever I tell you to? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, Ernie just does whatever I say. we're all
2: staring at a fireplace as our older male lover whists away into a heterosexual relationship. And... Where? That's all we can what? do. What?
0: <laughs> Where are you going with call this? Call me by your name.
2: Okay. The final. Hunter shot. didn't like it. Yeah. A single tear from Timothy Chalamet.
0: I was too busy fucking acting. to actually pay attention to what happened in that movie. Yeah. Acting. I was
2: edging with
1: the peach.
0: Okay. Well, thank
2: you for listening. We love you. Bye bye.
0: <laughs> Is Father of the Bride the call me by your name of Vampire Weekend albums? Oh, yeah. And that's so gay. Let us know so long. We love you.
2: flower in the morning Standing in the garden All before you wake No power Can compare you Out into
1: the